Welcome to the Ryan Ocean Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Ryan Ocean Podcast. And this week, I am joined by good friend, Michael Patrick, one half of the Dirty Blondes. What the hell is up, brother? What's going on, man? How you been? <laughs> Not, I'm, I haven't been bad, other than the fact, I've first off, I've been drinking half the day, uh, and I'm stuck inside just like the rest of the world, I think. Um, but you made an interesting point. I, I asked if you were ready to come on here and do this podcast tonight, and what was it that you told me? Oh man, this isn't my first radio uh, radio rodeo. <laughs> this is not my first rodeo. What else, we've done. What else have blonde. you done? We've done. Man, we've done. Uh, I was just telling you, we we we've done radio shows for Mark Charles. We've done all kinds of podcasts. Um, dude, I even did the RC. Do you remember RCW's podcast they yeah. used to do back in the day, where everybody would call in? Dude, I remember, I remember, so that was, you, well, you, you were around when I got started, so you're aware of my, you know, that, that whole, the germ, you've literally, you're probably the only person next to Rob Love who's been around for the whole thing, but, and obviously my family and stuff, but, um, I remember I thought that that was the biggest fucking deal ever. Like, I'm going to be on the RCW podcast. I specifically remember being in the gym, and it was the night that I was going to be on, and you had to call that fucking phone number that forwarded like forwarded you somewhere in like New York or somewhere like that, which is basically just some hosting service, and you called in and talked on the phone. It was all on the phone. No offense to Brandon Oliver or anyone, but it it, it sounded like garbage when you actually listened to it back. But you you might as well told me I was going on the motherfucking Howard Stern show that night when, when I went to be on it. Like, that's how excited I was. But in a way, I think that's a good thing. I, I At the time, and I still am to this day, you know, I was super excited about being part of the wrestling business. And I thought it was a really big deal that, excuse me, that I got to be, you know, to call in there. But you know, no, it's not your first rodeo, but I've been trying to get you on this podcast for a while. Correct, correct I'm just me. Lazy. I'm lazy, man. Yeah, dude, you've been hitting me up for like well, well over a year now. I'm just <laughs> lazy, man. I hate committing to stuff. I'm the type of person like all the time. Man, we're getting hit up to do radio shows and podcasts and, and you know stuff like that, and I, I just hate committing to stuff. I'm the type of person. It's like, oh my god, because have you ever have you ever taken a booking? And, you know, two or three months out, you're like, man, I just got booked on such and such show. Yeah. And then, like, the week of the show, you're like, oh, my God, I got to get in the car. I got to go to the airport. I got to go actually physically get off my ass and go to the show. You, like, you, I'm just like the... You, real, you realize, like, how how far it is? Like, have you ever yeah. have you ever, have you you ever ever taken one of those bookings, and it's a couple months in advance, and you get it, and you're like, oh, fuck, man, I've always wanted to wrestle there. Or this is going to, this is so much exposure, and it looks like a really, yeah. really badass thing. But when the time actually gets closer, you're like, holy fuck, I'm going to have to leave at, like, 5 a.m. for this shit. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and either, I'm going to... I'm gonna have to drive ten hours to work for fifteen minutes if I'm lucky, and then drive all the way back. Yeah, I remember. Um, I guess it's been about a year now. We had uh, we had taken a booking up in, uh, I think it was either Georgia or no, it was in Georgia. It was either Georgia or North Carolina, but I'm pretty sure it was Georgia. And uh, 
um, well, let me rephrase that. We, we actually had taken a booking for Branded Outlaw there in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. And it was like a, uh, I want to say it was like either a, a Saturday, it was either a Saturday or a Sunday night. I can't remember which. And then um, the promoters at Big Time hit us up and they were like, hey, we're going to see if we can get you guys to come in, wrestle the Rock and Roll Express. Um, so it was like the night before our booking in Texas. So without even thinking, I'm like, dude, absolutely a chance to wrestle the rock and roll express absolutely without even thinking that like from from georgia to san antonio texas i think it was something like 15 or 16 hours yeah, some, <laughs> some like, ridiculous car ride yeah so and obviously you're not getting a, a plane ticket that cheap that or you know that short notice or anything like that so it's not like you're going to be able to do the show and then hit the airport and fly out the next day so I mean, at that point, you know, again, you're two months out, you're committed and, you know, you're excited. You're like, man, we're going to be in Georgia one night. We're going to be in Texas the next night. And then like, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning when you've had no sleep, you're grouchy, you're tired, you've been in a car all night. That's when you start to go, man, why, why do we do this crap? Like, why do we, yeah, like why the <laughs> why fuck do we commit to this? <laughs> no i get that dude i've well, had i've had some nights and i don't i we don't have to break down into specific like ages or anything like that but like i said you were there when i started and obviously i was i wasn't i didn't start super young but i was young in relation to others and then now as i've gotten older and i've gotten into my 30s i find myself and i don't know if you're the same way or not but i used to like in my late 20s i would i would do shows and just i I could be near atlanta georgia which would be about a six hour ride home i've done the san antonio and like take a nap and then drive home and lately especially now that i'm into my like into my 30s getting close to mid 30s bro i can't even do that like i don't like wrestling (laughs) i do not like wrestling in atlanta georgia and having the thought that i have to get in my car and drive all the way home i will come out of my fucking pocket to stay in a hotel or i I will i have i will find a rest stop with like a security like night security and i'll sleep in my fucking car before i drive through the night so driving from one show to another show 12 hours later granted i would do it but at the same time, part of me thinks in my brain that I know for a fact I'd be super pissed off at myself come the day that I actually have to make that drive. Yeah. You know, I, I, like, I think you hit it best when you said, you know, when you're in your 20s or when you're first breaking into wrestling. I mean, that's, that's when you do that. You know, you, you got to get out there. Um, you got to get out there and make a name for yourself. And, and the only way yeah. you're going to do it is to make those sacrifices. And I'm not saying you got to be foolish about it. You know, I'm not telling anybody to jump in a car and drive, you know, 15, 20 hours for, for a 30, $40 payday. I mean, granted I've done it. I'm sure we've all done it at some point. Cause you know, you're chasing that dream or you're trying to get that exposure. Or you're just trying to get your name out there. And, you know, I think that a lot of the younger guys breaking into wrestling, it's funny because like, I feel like I was doing stuff like that at a time, like when when we first started teaming as the Dirty Blondes, um, and I, I don't know, maybe some other guys could vouch for this, you know, because we've been a team now for, gosh, I don't know, since about 2014, 2015, so roughly five or six years now. Yeah, um, that was just the the beginning of guys. Guys weren't doing that. They weren't getting out of their areas. They weren't getting, you know, in the car and driving you know, from Florida to Texas or from, you know, Florida to, to the Carolinas or from Florida to Tennessee or, or, you know, guys just weren't making these long road trips. And I remember like when we first started teaming, it was like, dude, we're going to have to do this. You know, if, if, if we're going to get our names out there for, if, you know, 
if if we're going to make something out of this, we're going to have to make those sacrifices. And you know, it's it, it's a thin line. It, it's definitely a, a thin line that you have to ride because you don't want to get. Um, I mean, I don't know. And you, you know what I'm talking about when I say like you got to get out there. You got to make those sacrifices. You got to pay those dues. But you also don't want to become the guy. Because, you know, there's guys out there on the indie scene that have been doing stuff like that. and They still do stuff like that, and it's gotten them nowhere. You know, like, they just yeah. haven't progressed. They haven't gone. You know, they're, they're you know, like I told Brian, you know, like, when we first started doing this, it's like, okay, we're going to do all the shitty shows for the shitty paydays, and the shitty hours, and the shitty miles, and, and the whole nine yards. I said, but eventually what's going to happen is promoters are going to start to see us, other guys are going to start to see us, and then we're going to start to make a name for ourselves. And then you can take that step up where, you know, you might have to do a shit show for three, four or five months in a row, but then somebody's going to notice and somebody's going to say, Hey man, I want you on my show. And they just happen to run the, maybe the same night or the same weekend as the shitty show. And then you can kind of start to let some of those, those, I don't mean to, to, to crap on anybody's shows and say, Oh, the shit shows, but you, you know, the, the shows we're talking yeah. about in front of like 10, 15, 20 people and you are only getting, you know, the, the, the 20, $30, you know, um, paydays. And, you know, those are the rides when you're on the way home, like, God, why do we do this? Why are we in the car? Why are we making these sacrifices? But then when that becomes a stepping stone to a better quality show, or maybe something with more exposure or something with a better payday, then you look back and go, okay, well, that's why we did that. You know, it, it's like any kind of job, man. You got to start off at the bottom and work your way up. But again, there's got to be that fine line. Like you can't continue to allow yourself to stay in that situation. Like you have to progress, you have to move up. And if you don't, and it, you know, if you look back and you're like, you know, three, four or five years down the road, you're still doing the same crap shows for the same crap paydays. It might be time to start questioning, you know, what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah. Well, I think, I think a way you could kind of look at it is like a set of stairs, right? So uh, you and and not like a simple little set of stairs. Let's take like the stairs at like the Philadelphia like art museum or something like that. Like that we're in the movie Rocky. Like a, a monstrous, a monstrous set of stairs, right? Mind you, I've been drinking all day, but you have like those 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 stairs towards the bottom, right? Those are your and I'm really good with I'm I'm really good with analogies. Like they help my brain work. But you have oh, okay. That's like that that that's like the beginning. You know what I mean? Like the the first two, three, four, five, six stairs. Those are you, those are you know how you're talking about shit shows or whatever however you want to put it now it's important because you're not going to get to the 10th 11 12 13 14 15 20 plus 30 plus you're not going to be able to step on those steps without stepping on the first second third fourth fifth step in the series of steps correct you right. you you have right. you have to make that sacrifice but there becomes a point in time where you know someone's people are always going to walk by you as much as that sucks there's always someone who's going to be working harder they're going to walk up the steps faster than you they may even skip a few steps because someone at the top likes them more to you that's just the unfortunate way the wrestling business works we're probably never going to change that that's there's there's no way you could take the human element out of an entertainment industry it's just the way it fucking works however if someone goes up and down the stairs or, you know, an innocent bystander, let's call them the wrestling fans, see you walking on the first and second step. And then three years later, you're still on the same, excuse me, you're still on the same step. It might be time to, it might be time to reanalyze what you're doing in order to make it up further. That's either going to be fucking quit and get the fuck out or you maybe need to change your gimmick or something, something like that. 
but no, something. you're right. You you guys had. I remember when you guys started because um, when I first moved to Florida, because we knew each other from Texas, and then you came back here to Florida, and you actually, and I know we've talked about it before. You you had a very intricate role in me when I left Texas trying to figure out where I was going to move and trying to kind of leverage the Air Force, which is still my job now. But in terms of I was in a job where I had a very um, opportunistic time to select where I wanted to go Uh, based on what I was doing there. I got kind of to pick basically uh, through a a few options. And Florida was one of those options. And you were very uh, heavy in my decision in terms of coming here. So I came here, met you. Well, we already, I already knew you, but after I got here, we we met, (laughs) we met at that, that Brad Armstrong show, but you and Brian were not a thing yet at that time. So it it had to be somewhere near there. Cause I remember, uh, I remember doing, um, uh, that wrestling promotion down in Tampa, the uproar, we did uproar. And I think you, you and Brian were just starting to get involved there, but you, you were someone that's been around for a while um, in terms of, so, I'm, I'm, I don't know, and I'm not talking shit, but it, so you've been, you've been, you, you have experienced, and I'm sure you could, you could, and correct me if I'm wrong, you've been up the steps and you've been down the steps. You know, you're talking about starting off with Brian and have, and, and which is the tag team of the Dirty Blondes for whoever doesn't know. Um, you know, you're talking to him about, hey, we're going to have to do some of these shit shows. We're going to have to kind of pay our dues and make our way back up. So you've obviously been there and done that, though. You've, you've started there, you've went up, you've come back down. You're kind of an example, and this is not anything negative at all. You, you are a prime example of someone who's been in the business long enough to where you've been at the top, you've went back down to the bottom, you've been at the top again, back down, up and down, up and down, and, are, are, and, are, and can show that, hey, just because you find something that's successful and you quote unquote maybe make it in terms of your mind as successful doesn't mean it's going to last that long. You're you're constantly going to have to reinvent yourself to come up with different oh, different ways to get to the top. But before we get before we get to that, I want to cover real quick, tell us about and you don't have to be super specific in terms of like time frames if you don't want to, but how did you get started in wrestling? Where was your original first step? Since we're talking about you know um, stairs and going up, where where was it, Michael Patrick, <laughs> before you stepped on that first step? Where the fuck was that at? I mean, that was right here in Tampa, Florida. Um, anybody that's familiar with um, you know Tampa and Florida wrestling, um, you know, I mean, this is pretty much the epicenter, I think, of especially when you're looking at like the old time, the old old school territories, dude. Yeah, you've got you know Florida championship wrestling from Florida and. You know, guys like, you know, obviously Dusty Rhodes and Eddie Graham and, you know, all those guys. Um, I mean, you just couldn't, I mean, it was, it was almost like it was in the, it was in our blood. You know, there's no way you could grow up here in Tampa and, and not, not know watch what wrestling, wrestling yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, as a kid growing up, I loved all of it, you know. And um, the way that I got into wrestling, um, almost accidental through the back door, um, I, ran into a buddy from school who told me that, yeah, you know, they're doing independent shows down at the old sportatorium where they used to do, um, Florida wrestling, you know, with Gordon Soley and all those guys. And I went to a couple independent shows and was like, you know, dude, how do you, you know, this is amazing. How do you get into this? How do you do this? And, um, you know, it, I don't want to say it was like, um, you know, this is kind of like at the, at the, you know, early 2000s so this was kind of the the beginning of the whole internet thing like you couldn't just jump online and google stuff and and find you know wrestling schools like you can nowadays um and not only that it seems like there's a there's a wrestling school on every corner 
Um, so, I mean, it took time, you know, you had to research, you had to look into it. And I remember a buddy and me, we were just like, dude, you know, how do you get into wrestling? Like, how, how, how do you even, you know, like, where do you go? It's not like, you know, you, it's not like you're going to school to be a mechanic or going to school for computers. You don't just like sign up for it. It's not, it's not widely advertised everywhere. (laughs) I mean, it it is now, it is now, but back then it wasn't widely advertised to where, Hey, here's where you come. Here's how much it is. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, going through, going to some of those independent shows there at the Sportatorium, we found out that, um, you know, they basically, um, the wrestlers worked out there during the week, you know, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they would just go down there and get in the ring, you know, beat the living crap out of each other. So started showing up for that and, um, met a handful of like the, the Florida independent local guys back then guys like Butch Long and Chris Nelson and, um, some different guys um, that were just, you know, around mm-hmm. the independent scenes back then. And literally it was just like, hey, kid, get in the ring. And, you know, they would just beat the crap out of me. And I wasn't, I don't want to say I wasn't learning anything. It was, it was almost like the karate kid type thing. You know, you get the crap beat out of you and you, you kind of don't realize you are, you are learning, you are being taught. They're testing, they're kind of testing just, you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, um, and it wasn't easy, you know. I, I, I mean, you know, you hear these horror stories of like, you know, they broke. Actually, ironically, um, the building that I trained in would be the same building where you hear the stories of Hulk Hogan getting his leg broken, the sportatorium right. there in Tampa. So that's kind of a cool little thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so for me, it wasn't that bad. I mean, they roughed you up, they beat you up. You know, they didn't take it easy on you guys, like, you know, the, the Southern Posse, Rick Thames. Sunny T, I mean, they definitely were not easy. You know, they weren't like, yeah, sure, jump in, you know, join the club. I mean, you literally had to earn it, you know, and, and I think that's something that's kind of sort of lost on today's generation. Um, and, you know, that could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. You know, it's a good thing in the, in the fact that you don't want to just go around beating people up for no reason. But at the same time, I do think there's a generation of guys involved in wrestling today that just think that they're owed something and they haven't really earned it you know i fucking i um, absolutely fucking hate it (laughs) you you were there you were there when i got trained and and i don't want to i don't want to i'm not and i have i have never said anything negative about sean hernandez in the way that we were trained and brought up i've actually been on record as saying that i'm appreciative and rob love has said the same thing appreciative of the way we were treated but you can go you could go on record now on this podcast and probably back up and defend what I've said. <laughs> did I or did I not? Myself and Rob Love included, included, were we not hazed and getting our asses beat to get into wrestling business? Dude, I, I can honestly say I witnessed some of the worst hazing ever on uh, on you guys. And all I could do, don't take this the wrong way, man, all I could do was sit back and laugh. It was bad. It was it was so bad. Like the shit. When I first met John Saxon, I I so I got booked on Elite Championship Wrestling out in Louisiana, and that came off of that show that you told me to come to on. I think it was like September fourteenth or something like that, two thousand fourteen. Maybe maybe it wasn't the fourteenth, but I'm getting the fourteenth mixed up. But regardless, it was in September, I believe, of two thousand fourteen, the Brad Armstrong Memorial Show, and Curtis was there, and Road Dog Jesse James was there because obviously that's his brother. All these people were there. That's where Curtis saw me, and that was kind of like, wow, who's this guy? And he talked to me and found out that I moved here. And now, of course, you know, you know, Curtis is one of my best friends. I've been living here for, you know, six years now. But back then at that time, you told me to come to that show. 
And Curtis told Saxon, who was doing the book out in Louisiana, hey, there's this six foot four dude from uh, Texas that just moved here. And, uh, <laughs> and, and one of the first questions, I guess, John asked Curtis was, well, who trained him? And Curtis told him Sean Hernandez, and John booked me just based off that because he's like <laughs> yeah. he he knew that if I was still wrestling, that obviously I can put up with probably damn near anything. But I I think that sometimes people don't believe me when I say me and me no. and because me and Rob Love are the only ones that I can name out of our class that are still wrestling. I think uh, Ray yeah. or Ray Ortiz is maybe, and no offense to him, but he's not doing much of anything. He's he's got a kid and and flies pretty low radar. But me and Rob are the only ones who go around. But we I and Rob got it way worse than I did. But we got our asses fucking handed to us. I I've been in tears, damn near ready to quit wrestling, and I didn't, and I'm still here. But dude, people nowadays, it's like, and I say this a million times. I probably sound like a broken record, but correct me if I'm wrong. People nowadays, it's almost like schools are afraid to lose students. It's no longer. Oh, no, they are. It, it, they it, are. It, it's no longer, uh, hey, you need to earn your right to, or you need to earn your way or your path to be in the wrestling business. Like it's, it used to be, I felt like when I came in, I was earning a spot on a throne and it was like a sacred throne that I was not allowed to touch and that I needed to work hard in order to get to. Nowadays, I feel like I have to shine that fucking throne so anyone can come and sit their ass on it that wants to. All they need is to be able to make a monthly payment and they could come in and do whatever the fuck yeah. they want. And I can't be mad about it. If I'm mad about it, then then I'm the asshole. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, but, no I do. Dude, dude, I, I mean, we could talk about that all day long, man. I, I just, you know, I don't want to come off as like the old grouchy bitter guy, but I mean, you know, if you talk to a lot of these guys that have actually made a living, you know, and, and that's the problem, you know, a lot of these kids nowadays, they don't know what it's like to actually make a living doing this. Like they don't mm-hmm. know what it's like literally to have to pay your mortgage, um, you know, put food on the table, put your kids through college. They don't, they don't understand any of that. Like they don't understand the fact that that's what these guys did. And if these guys didn't wrestle, then they didn't make money. They didn't, they didn't have, you know, they didn't have a check at the end of the week. Well, there, there's these, also, these nowadays, there, I, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but there's also a, a fake reality or fake sense of what making a living is. Because when you, when you look at nowadays, at what you would consider first off there's a lot of guys that for some reason have something against having a day job i have a fucking day job i have a very good day job my wife has a very good day job my household income does not need wrestling but i love wrestling and my goal is to launch myself to where i can make a living wrestling at some point one day but i know what it means to make a living at wrestling if i were making a living at wrestling i would need to be able to sustain myself now without having to hold a day job and i should be able to do that one day because I will have set myself up in life to collect retirement from one job and be able to substitute the other money through wrestling. But other people believe that making a living in wrestling, they tell people they make a living in wrestling, but then when it comes down to it, they also are in their 20s or 30s. They live with five other people. They don't have a wife or kids. They have a cri- they have a cricket phone, a $500 beat-up fucking car. And, but but that, that doesn't matter, brother, because I'm making a living wrestling. And that to me yeah. is this is some of the biggest it's, it's the biggest bullshit I've ever fucking seen. And that and you know what that's cool if, if you think that that's successful and 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 
that that gets you off and makes you feel successful i guess that's great but it's not sustainable you know what i mean it, that's not a sustainable yeah. lifestyle and that that well, that, that like to me you, is a problem yeah and, and, and go back to what i said you know the point i was trying to make earlier was have you talked to any any anybody that's legitimately any you know obviously um as you know you know we um, hooked up with Colonel Robert Parker, yeah. um, you know, from WCW, WWE, you know, over the last couple of years, they, they kind of, well, a couple of promoters put him with us as, as our manager and it just really clicked. And, you know, he lives here in the Tampa area. So it's easy for the three of us to, to get together and travel together and do shows and stuff together. Of course. And um, I mean, it, it literally has legitimized us. Like, you know, it, it took us to that next level, just, just having his seal of approval but the point that I'm getting at is you take a guy like that and when you're on the road and you know, you're in the car and you're listening to him tell stories and he talks about, you know, the type of money that he made. And it's always funny because these old timers, you know, whenever you talk to these guys, they'll always be like, yeah, you know, this is what I was making back then. And, you know, that was good money back then. And I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, that's, that's, that's actually really, really good money by today's standards as well. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, then you start getting into situations where, you know, like I, I got a buddy of mine that was really, really good friends with uh, road warrior Hawk back in the day. Mm. And, <laughs> and he used to ask me, he's like, brother, how much are you making? And he's like, Oh, you know, I'm getting like 50 bucks, 60 bucks. He's like, Oh God, nah, brother, I wouldn't leave the house for less than a thousand dollars. And it's like, geez, right. man, a thousand dollars. But you have to understand that's one of the road warriors, you know, I mean, this, this dude was literally probably making like millions and millions of dollars. Um, and like you said, that it's just a whole different, it's just a whole different mindset. It's a whole different world. You know, when, again, when you talk to these guys that actually made a living doing this and then you compare it to what we're doing today, dude, it's it, sometimes it's embarrassing to even like put your, like, Oh, I'm a pro wrestler. No, I'm not a pro wrestler. <laughs> not compared to those guys. Well, you know, it, it is. I, I believe that it is possible to make a living today but you have to have your shit set up straight. So I'll I'll use yeah. you I'll I'll use you as an example. And we don't have to and I don't want to get into specifics or details or anything like that. But you're someone who has you're someone who has managed to have uh you know your 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 home is paid off and you don't need to do any a lot of extra stuff if you don't want to, but you're able to go out and wrestle and make money wrestling and you could survive off that. Whereas it is possible to make a living today wrestling, but you're not going to probably be driving like a brand new Cadillac or anything like that unless you're working for one of the major, major companies around the world. There are some independent guys that are making a living wrestling, but they probably have like a Toyota Corolla or some shit. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And there's nothing wrong with that, man. To, dude, to me, that's respectable, man. Mm -hmm. You know, guys that, guys that are able to, to, to be realistic about their, their situation where they're at in life and, you know, set their goals and work towards those goals, man. I, you know, I, dude, I, I, I look, I look up to that. I respect that, you know? Um, but yeah, there's nothing wrong with that at all. It, it's the guys, like you said earlier, that are, that are, you know, literally still living with their parents, you know, like, bro, I make a living off of this. And it's like, no, no, you don't. You Wait, know, those like, are, just... those are the guys that they, they feel a need to like rub it in people's face that they're making a yeah. living wrestling. And when you do that, at least to someone like me, if I feel like you're rubbing it in my face, now I'm going to investigate. <laughs> I'm going to start to like, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to look into things. I'm going to start noticing that like your kitchen looks really, really nice. 
for the amount of money that I know you're probably making. And then I noticed yeah. that your that your bedroom is definitely not the master bedroom. And then it then there's like little details like that that kind of tend to stand out <laughs> and, and stuff you're like, like that. You're like Instagram stalking people, man. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy, dude. Well, <laughs> I get fucking I get bored sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I gotta. <laughs> what the fuck else am I supposed to do? My wife goes to bed about eight thirty, and I'm up till eleven. I I fucking start stalking people on Instagram. I start looking into things. I'm a stu- I'm a student of the game, brother. <laughs> the, I, I don't. Man, you need to. I don't know. I just need to get out, man. Those are your quarantine activities. <laughs> I I I find a lot of. Uh, I I feel like people don't think that I. Um, and this this isn't about me. And it's an interview about you, obviously. But we're just bullshitting random. But when it comes to that. You know, I preach the, I preach the heavyweight stuff a lot, and I and I preach a lot of, I have I feel like I have a very old school mindset in a way, and when I go towards matches, also you know like less, in my opinion, less is more and things like that. But I think that one thing that not a lot of people know is that while I don't watch a lot of old wrestling and I don't necessarily sit around, and we've had this discussion before, I don't I don't sit around and study a ton of wrestling. Wrestling itself as a whole occupies a lot of my time like i sit around and i really really look into things i get interested in some of the weirdest shit like when there's when when there's guys (laughs) that people consider like indie darlings and stuff like that one of the things that pops in my mind is like hey you know i'm i'm three years away from retirement in the air force to where i can literally probably collect my retirement check and only make a living wrestling so and that's what we talked about earlier in terms of kind of subsidizing the other amount of money that i'm not going to get from a day job anymore but i i a lot of my time gets occupied looking at what other people are doing and how other people are doing it and and wondering hey is this what i need to do um because you know whereas this guy might live with his mom and dad and he's making it well my mom and dad is my retirement check and then all i gotta do is what you're doing and then i i'll be fine you know i can i got a 2019 ram i got to be able to afford a truck payment on and that's it um and a wife and a wife with a job you know and stuff like that too but i don't know i find myself looking into into a bunch of that shit but you got you got around we were talking about you know 2014 2015 you started getting hooked up with brian how did you two meet because you are one half of the dirty blondes now i don't want to say it doesn't matter what you did prior to that but i i will go out and and i'll and i'll ask you before we continue would you say what you're doing right now in terms of with brian and the dirty blondes is this kind of like the a high point in your wrestling career. So every oh. everything that you did prior to that, you know, you were you were working a lot of single stuff probably, but now you you've got the most exposure whether it's been with with you guys as a tag working around the southeast, working with MLW, all the different opportunities that opportunities that you guys have had. This is in at least in my mind knowing you for as long as I've known you. This is certainly at least to me seems like a highlight of your career. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, this is this is probably um I mean, definitely the most exposure I've ever had. You know, um, going back to when earlier when you asked how I got into wrestling around the early 2000s, um, you know, I kind of kind of came in through the back door. wasn't, you know, in the very beginning was just kind of like a tackling dummy for a lot of the local guys here in Tampa. Yeah. And then um, through that, I met a, a buddy of mine doing shows. A guy by the, a local guy by the name of Steve Madison, Bruce Madison, who is an amazingly good wrestler. Probably one of, if not, you know, 
top two or three guys, you know, I've ever been in the ring with. I mean, he's just, he's, mm-hmm. he's one of those guys who was just a natural athlete, um, grew up here in Tampa, like I did. Um, and you know, he, he's the type of guy who'll take like a year or two off, get back in there and just make it look like he's missed no time whatsoever. I mean, he's just really good. He's, he's doing good. He's still here in Tampa. He has a, he has a family, you know, he's a firefighter, so he's doing I've well. Heard, I met, um, I've, I've met him before. I'm almost positive. Yeah. He, yeah, he helps Ron do the IPW show. Okay, yeah. now. That's kind of like his main thing, yeah. That's how I know. But anyway, um, through him, he was like, dude, you need to come work out with, uh, you know, he trained with Steve Kern, and he was like, you know, you need to you need to come work out. Let's, you know, get the ring, bump around. And so through that, I got in there with Steve Kern, and then through that, Steve Kern kind of took me under his wing and, you know, was like, hey, you kind of sort of know what you're doing, but, you know, you need some polishing, you need some advice, you need some direction. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, through through that friendship, I kind of became a, a Steve Kern student. And then, um, you know, again, early to mid-2000s, while this is going on, you know, um, i got to be honest with you, I'm not really doing a lot of shows. I mean, I'm doing shows locally here in Florida, you know, but most of my fun, most of the, the, the good times in those days, we're working out at Steve Kern's wrestling school. I mean, you had so many talented guys that would come through there. Um, local guys like Buck Quartermain, Lex Lovett, uh, Roderick Strong was there at the time. Um, I mean, just a laundry list of guys. Like, we would get together, you know, four, five, six, sometimes seven nights a week if we could. At one point, I even had a key to the building. Steve Kern trusted me. He was like, here, you know, here's a key. Come down and work out whenever you want. And, you know, we're getting in there, we're pushing each other, you know, and it's just one of those things where it's like I'm having my best matches in front of nobody, you know, just getting in there and just pushing myself, killing myself and having fun, you know, just just really, really enjoying where where I was at in life. Um, and then on top of that, um, with the with Steve Kern and his connection to WWE, you know, I mean, on in, any given night, you'd be in the ring working out and Edge or Christian or Batista or Big Show or Billy Gus, somebody would just walk in the door and just mm. get in the ring. Eddie Guerrero would just, you know, walk in the door and jump in the ring with you and work out. And so, I mean, you just, you, you couldn't, there was a period of about, I don't know, like five or six years there when Steve Kern had his wrestling school going that, um, you, I mean, you just, if, if you couldn't learn, if you couldn't get better with that group of guys that was there, then you just might as well just hang it up. Cause I mean, it literally was like wrestling college. I mean, there was no, and obviously I'm biased cause I was training there at the time, but there was just no better wrestling school in my opinion of the entire world. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause again, you had, you had Steve and his knowledge and all the local guys. And then you had the WWE experience guys coming in and kind of giving you advice and telling you, Hey, look, this is, you know, this is what we had to do to get to where we are, you know, and, and you just you just soak it all in. And so what happened there, kind of getting back to your original question was, um, during this time period, I met my girlfriend at the time, who you met when uh, when we were living in Texas. She was actually in the Air Force. Mm. That's how you and I actually became friends, because um, we moved out to San Antonio, Texas. Mm. And so, you know, you're, you're kind of in that mind frame of like, okay, you know, I'm in my thirties and get a little bit older, you know, maybe it's time to start thinking about settling down, getting into the relationship thing, you know, doing the, the, the you know, getting married, having kids, buying a house, you know, the American dream type thing. Mm. And, um, you know, for, for a lot of people out there that may or may not know, unfortunately during that time in Texas, she got sick with leukemia and passed away. And that was my time to come back to Tampa. You know, that was my time to say, okay, you know what? I got to get home. I got to get closer to family. I got to get back to what I really know, which is wrestling. Because if you remember, like, one of the things there at RCW, um, you know, when I first moved to Texas, 
you know, thinking, cool, man, I'm in a new place. I'm going to branch out. I'm going to wrestle as much as I can. But the reality of the situation is you start to slow down again because, you know, you're, you're doing quote unquote family stuff, real life stuff. You know, um, the girlfriend's got like a, a dinner or a conference or something to go to. Mm-hmm. And so you start skipping out on wrestling shows. You're not wrestling as much. You're not training as much. So when I got into RCW and met you guys, it got very comfortable for me. It was like, okay, I can go work out once, maybe twice a week with the kids at the school. I can do a show once a month and still, you know, stay active. And then on top of that, for whatever reason, and I don't even know why, um, but like, you know, Brandon and Sean and those guys, um, I'm assuming they took a liking to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like, I noticed like, as, as you know, like, it seems like every month they would bring in a name guy, like whether it was D'Lo Brown or Chavo Guerrero or somebody like that. You work and there for a while. Right? Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like there for a while, it felt like every time they would bring somebody, you know, they put me and Joey Spector together as a tag team, which was fun. Um, you know, we got to got to do the whole coach and gimmick, and oh, that was crazy. That was fun. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, you, you, honestly, I, I got very comfortable there. I got very comfortable in the situation of like, okay, here I am wrestling once a month for RCW, and every time I wrestled, they're bringing in, you know, Chavo Guerrero Jr. or, or you know, uh, Luke Gallows or somebody like that. And I'm getting put in the ring with him. Why would I want to go anywhere else and do anything else? You know, and I got very lethargic. I got very lazy in that sense. And again, you know, in my mind frame, I'm thinking, man, this is it. This is good. This is as good as it's probably going to get. There probably isn't a whole lot else going on after this. Cause you know, my mind was going in a whole nother different direction, you know? Yeah. So, um, but again, you know, after, after her passing and coming home and, kind of relighting that fire um so that long-winded story to answer your question how do me and brian hook up and get together is um i came home and i thought okay the first thing i need to do is get back in the ring and you know i I really had no intentions of wrestling full-time it wasn't like i was like okay that's it i'm gonna you know nose to the grindstone i'm gonna make something out of myself and make a name for myself it literally was just like okay i need something to do to keep busy to keep myself occupied to keep my mind off of things and whatever happens, happens, you know, and, and it's all, it's almost that, that, that feeling of like, you know, how people say like, man, it's almost like I, I, you know, you want something so bad that you almost choke the life out of it. Yeah. Up until that point, that's how it was. It was like, you know, everybody's trying to get in WWE. Everybody's trying to go to, you know, TNA or, or Japan or wherever it is. And I literally came home with a mind frame of like, I'm not trying to make anything out of myself. I just want to have fun. I just want to work out. I just want to get in the ring and, and, you know, whatever few years I have left remaining, being able to do this, I just want to enjoy myself and just not stress. And so I was working out training, met Brian, um, came up to me, you know, one night we were training. He was like, Hey man, you know, I was watching some uh, Dutch Mantel the other night and I was like, Holy crap, dude, how do you, you know, young kid like you, how do you even know who that is? Yeah. Another night he came up to me and he was like, man, I was watching some, some Terry Gordy. And I'm like, dude, who are you? Like, what? You know, <laughs> Brian, Brian's <laughs> a very, Brian's a very old soul in a young body. <laughs> he is. Man. He is. And it's, and it's not just his red dude. It's his music. It's just everything about him. is just very like, yeah, everything. Man, he's very, if you could, very if, you, mature. if you could read the text messages between me and Brian, you'd think it was like 1985. <laughs> it was like, cause all they are, all it is is about like old music and like Copenhagen <laughs> <laughs> shit like dude that. <laughs> yeah no he he definitely if he was a wrestler in the 70s and 80s 
he would have been an absolute star. I mean, yeah. he would have. I mean, he, for all we know, he would have been Dusty Rhodes. Who knows? You yeah. know. <laughs> so, um, so no. So then one night we're just hanging out, and I'm just like, dude, you know, what's up? Like, what do you watch? You know, tell me about yourself. And he told me he's like, well, you know, I trained with Steve Kern. And as soon as he told me that, I was like, you've got to be kidding me! Like, I trained with Steve Kern. And that was that was just when it was like, all right, dude, like you know, come here, man. We we got to be buds. We got to hang out. And um, you know, at that time, I I was you know still taking singles bookings. And, mm-hmm. You know, like you were saying, like still going up to Pensacola, Tennessee, and just you know taking these small time, nothing crazy, nothing major, but just still getting out every once in a while on the weekend and having fun. You know. Yeah. And um, so I the the school that he was training at because after he had trained with Steve Kern, um, he actually a lot of people may or may not know this. Um, and some people, I think when they saw the, the FCW documentary on the network, um, that's where Brian orish, originally trained was with FCW, the WWE, uh-huh. um, with Steve Kern and Norman Smiley and all those guys. Hold on. Let me charge my phone, plug it in. Hold on a second. God, I'm going to edit this out. <laughs> what? No, I can, what? I can, I can cut this part right out. Uh, it's all good. But, um. No, so like when I found out that him and I had both spent time training with Steve Kern, you know, we just kind of hit it off and went mm-hmm. on the road. And for about, I'd say if I, for the first year, year and a half, we just wrestled each other. It was just always like everywhere we would go: Pensacola, Tennessee, who, Georgia. Wait, who were who were you working for in Pensacola, brother? <laughs> oh man, uh, the 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 infamous Tiny. You remember Tiny? Tiny Tiny Tiswell, <laughs> APW. <laughs> That was actually oh my, my, my first show in Pensacola was for Tiny and then uh and John Saxon was on that show. That's where me and him actually met the first time. What? And even though we run show <laughs> Yeah. It's surprise that's surprising. <laughs> yes. And his whole thing so so that's so oh, I, I shit bro. you I shit you not. That is where I learned. I remember John had like a torn calf muscle or something like that and he was there working and you you know how John is, you know what I mean? Like very yeah. old school methodic, right? I showed up to that show and I go in the locker room. I didn't know Curtis had already told John about me. So John knew about me. John claims that he knew. And I don't know if he remembers telling me this. This is like a, this is like four years ago. He told me this John. And, and you can tell me if this sounds like something John would do or not, because you know him pretty well. John tells me that Curtis called me after that Brad Armstrong Memorial show and told him, hey, there's this dude, Ryan Ocean, he's up here from Texas, blah, 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 and, and he that I was going to be on Tiny's show. John says that he took, he accepted the booking from Tiny, one, because Tiny was agreed to pay him, and two, because I, w- I was going to be on it and he wanted to see what I was about. When I showed up, John kayfabe me like he had no fucking clue who I was, and it was the first time right. we were ever meeting, and he gave me that whole like, oh, who are you, kid? Where'd you come from? Blah, blah. And then didn't fucking talk to me for the rest of the time I was there. And I'm pretty sure right. I, I had the... T- <laughs> I, I like tagged with Tiny's kid, and we went out and won like some tag team match against uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Moody, and his tag partner at the time. And I, I'm not even going to get into whether it was a good match or not. I I had fun. I legitimately had fun because 
whether 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 you want to say tiny show is a good show or a bad show whatever i have no opinion and that's not that's not because i'm playing mr professional because i run in the same town i have absolutely and i'll go on the record to say this i have absolutely nothing but respect for tiny because he's always paid me i have never not had fun on one of his shows i've i always had fun every time i got to work there uh but it was it was a blast going there and getting to do whatever i kind of wanted to do there and then that's how that's how i met john but John's whole thing that he taught me was what I learned out of all that is, hey, it doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what someone's opinion is of a wrestling show. If they got the money to pay you and they want to pay you, it's your job to come in and make your money and you might make that a better show. It it, it, yeah. does, it doesn't matter what it used to be. So no, I just find it interesting. You know, you you were working up Pensacola. I knew where you were working. Obviously, who you were working for. <laughs> you just wanted. Just wanted to talk about Tiny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> every time, every time I get an opportunity, I love to talk about Tiny. But no, he's a, he's a legitimate. He's a cool dude, and he's been in the wrestling yeah. business for a really long fucking time. I don't think people realize how long that motherfucker's been involved with wrestling through the Armstrongs and everyone that he's had an opportunity to work with. But no, you. So yeah. you. So you were going up there. You were doing that and then you started hooking up with brian and now you guys are starting to hit the road together and you're starting off on those bottom steps so what was it like when when you guys first kind of started out like when you guys are just starting to grind was it was it easy was it hard did you guys click from the get-go you said that you guys you worked each other uh for a for a good steady period of time but what about when you guys actually formed the dirty blondes um I don't know. I, I think we definitely clicked from the get go. Um, like I said, he, like you said earlier, he's just such a, such a good guy. And they had a lot of, con- you know, like you're in the car, you know, you ever go on the road with somebody, it's the first time you've really been in a car with them. And it's like, you know, you're like, dude, I got to sit in the car for six hours with this person. And yeah. you know, 20 minutes into the trip, you're like, Oh, this is never going to happen again. Like there's <laughs> yeah. no way I'm ever traveling yeah. with this person. Like with Brian, it's like, you know, you're going down the road and it's like, hey, dude, is it cool if I put on some Charlie Daniels or is it cool if I put on some Leonard Skinner? And he's like, hell yeah, man. Yeah. And then that's when you realize like, wow, dude, we get along, man. We're, you know, we have similar interests um, as far as like wrestling, music, just, you know, just all kinds of different points of views, you know, and you I, realize. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't mean to cut you off, but that just reminds no, me. No, dude. I That reminds <laughs> me. One <laughs> One of my favorite things ever is, is, and I hope I, I shouldn't be giving away too much here, but my, oh, no. my favorite, my favorite road trips ever were when you and Brian would come up from Tampa, right? And you, we, yeah. and you've, you've already discussed this. Obviously, unfortunately, your girlfriend passed away. That's why you moved back to Florida. So you're living on your own and you, you had your dog, which unfortunately your dog passed away a short while ago as well. But I remember when you still had, <laughs> I remember when you still had your dog and you guys yeah. would come up and for, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot. I might be shooting short here, but I might be shooting long. It was like a year straight. Cause you guys were working out in home of Louisiana for a while, but it was like, I feel like it was a year. I would always tell you, dude, come up, stay at the house. You and Brian stay at the house. We could part of you drink. And it would always be like, no, I'm going to get a hotel. I'm going to stay at the La Quinta, blah, blah. And you would take your dog <laughs> with you. You guys, you guys go to the hotel. But my funnest road trips were when I would come to the La Quinta in Pensacola, Florida and pick you guys up. And we would drive to Mobile, Alabama and we would pick up Frank. And then Frank would bitch and moan the whole way to fucking <laughs> Homa. And then when we were done the show in Homa, we would get in the car. Frank would drive back while we drove 
drank road sodas the whole fucking way. And then I dropped you guys off in Pensacola. And then between Pensacola and my house would be text messages about how your dog shit all over the fucking hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, rem- oh, you remember that shit? Of course, of course I remember that. that. And that's the thing, man. Like, I would always, because, like, every time we would go on the road, my dog, Buddy, man, he was the best. Huh? And, you know, <laughs> literally when they say man's best friend, man, he was my buddy, man. That's actually how he got his name, because he was my buddy. But um, he just had a weak stomach, man. Like, all he could really eat was, like, straight dry dog food. Yeah. If you give him anything else, man, he was just, like, Dude. instant dog diarrhea that that dog that dog i don't i'm sorry that dog is the reason i drink fiji water because i don't know if you remember or not but i was in tampa one time and i went to buy water and you had gotten like this expensive water for your dog and (laughs) i'm I'm pretty sure i swear you were buying water to feed your dog you wouldn't give buddy water out of the faucet and you said something along the lines of like would you put 87 an octane gas in a Ferrari like you gave your dog so now I shit you not every single time I don't remember every dude I don't remember that at all. every time I go to Tom Thumb every time I'm on the road or if I'm going to work if I stop at the store to get water there is a picture of you and buddy in my mind when I go to buy water and I won't buy I don't like remember that I, w- I will not get the Sani water I have to get oh, Fiji Sani's awful I have to get I have to get <laughs> Fiji water because you were the one who told me that you have to buy that you get what you pay for and that includes water. It's true, man. That that you know, yeah, that's true, man. But no, and that's the problem. Like every time we would go on the road with him, man, like it was like, all right, dude, we can't. You know, I can't give him Taco Bell. I can't give him Arby's or Burger King. Dude, it would just mess him up. And like, I remember one time specifically, we were somewhere in Mississippi, man. And me and Brian, we come back from the show. And we walk into the hotel room, and it just instantly hits you. You're like, "Oh my god, dude, he he, he shit somewhere." And so we're both like looking around the, the hotel room, dude. We're looking at the bathroom. We're looking under the bed. Like we can't find it anywhere. I'm like, "Dude, this dog shit somewhere, and I don't know where." So we're looking, we're looking, we're looking. So then finally, I look behind the door. Do you know when you open the door, you don't yeah. think to look behind the door. I look behind the door, dude. It was a puddle of the wettest, nastiest, <laughs> stinkiest do- dog diarrhea you've ever seen. Like I remember going down to the front desk. <laughs> Dude, it's like, it's like, how do you even, it's like so liquidy. And I think we've given them like Taco Bell or something like that. And I'm just like, oh my God. So I go, to, I go down to the front desk and I always stayed at La Quinta. It's actually pronounced La Quinta. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's the only hotel you ever stay at. <laughs> Well, it's because I had rewards to yeah. man. Now, obviously, dude. you get the shittiest hotel to get rewards. <laughs> just... No, they weren't, dude. <laughs> Some of them were nice, man. It, it, with La Quinta, it's either hit or miss. You either get a really, really, really nice one, or they're like straight up gambling. You know, like, you, can no shoot, between. <laughs> you can shoot for, like, I have a Marriott membership. You know, all those are nice. Like, you, There's ones you could get that are all good. It's only like an extra 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But um, no, I, I just remember that like going down to the front desk, and I was like, "What is your um, what's your policy on cleaning up after a dog?" And she's like, "Oh, we don't have." A... I'm like, "You're going to change the hotel policy when you see the mess that I just left." <laughs> Did you pick it up at all, dude? I think I took like towels, <laughs> towels from the, the hotel, towel. <laughs> and tried to tried to like like oh gosh, 
dude. It was terrible, man. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, but and to, I don't know why, man. to Buddy's credit, I'm pretty sure if you give any dog Taco Bell, he's probably going <laughs> to shut all over the floor. I think you might be going a little far when you talk about the weak stomach. I don't know. Of, I don't know of any dog that can take fast food and not just shit bricks everywhere. Oh, dude, have you ever, have you ever been on the road like you're on like a three or four day loop and it's just like I don't know, man. You're just like, dude, no, no shitting in the hotel, guys, or somebody does shit in the hotel and you're just like, oh my god. No, I've so. Oh, I've kind of got this, uh, I've got a really bad, Not it's not a bad habit, I consider it a good habit. I have become a, I don't want to say a loner of sorts, but I, I'm at a disadvantage to where you guys are in a tag team, you know what I mean? But So you're anywhere you guys, primarily most of your bookings are always tag team bookings now, so there's always going to be two of you that are riding together. And if they're not, and even when you guys are, you guys live in an area where there's a lot of wrestlers. So, you know, if we're booking in Pensacola, I can book you and, you know, Gabe or or a a multiple people that can sometimes work out. Yeah, Bruce, (laughs) big ass house. You guys, I like Bruce. I like Bruce. Me and Bruce. I love Bruce. Me and Bruce talked. Me and Bruce Bruce talked at Thunder Championship Wrestling. We we laid we we got over we we there I love there was some story. there was some there was some weird heat between me and Bruce I guess I don't know no I didn't think well see that's the thing I didn't think there was heat between you and Bruce the story so like you know because obviously you're bringing Bruce up and I think there's like one show that we couldn't make yeah. so you had Bruce. And I go, hey man, um, I'll be riding up to Pensacola next month or whatever. He's like, nah, man, I'm done. And I'm like, you're done. Bruce like, what do you mean you're done? He goes, he goes, I got fired. I'm like, I got to get fired. He goes, so he tells the story. Now this is, uh, I don't even, I don't so even, funny. I don't even care to publicly talk about this. This is so long ago okay. now, and I, I think I've already knocked down so many walls that I run a show in Pensacola. I was in Korea. Okay. I was in, I was in Korea, and so you have, to, you have to, and I told, and I told Bruce this. You yeah. have, you have to mind the fact that I'm being relayed information via message. So, based. Based on the information that I was sent, when when I'm in Korea, probably three sheets to the wind, split fucking drunk on a Sunday morning, which would have been there, my instant reaction is fucking fire him right now. Like, get rid we'll of see. him. <laughs> we'll see. Here, here's, here, I don't know if you don't want to talk about it. No, but. I'll talk about it. I'm going to fuck. <laughs> He goes, well, I, I go, you know, are we going to the show next month? He's like, ah, I got fired. I'm like, how, you know, how'd you get fired? <laughs> you know, and he, he, he told the story that I guess that they were doing a no DQ, no count out match. Yeah. And I don't know who he was wrestling. He was wrestling, at, uh, he was wrestling Jackson Slade, Ashton. Okay. So Ashton, so him and Ashton are wrestling each other in this no DQ, no count out match. Well, yeah. Bruce tells me that he, he he slides out of the ring for whatever. DJ started DJ counting him out. Starts counting him out. Yeah. So he goes, he goes, ass, it's supposed to be no count out. Why are you counting me? <laughs> DJ called him a dumbass so they, or something. Yeah. So they get into it. But I don't think, like, unbeknownst to Bruce this whole time, like, for a lot of people that don't know, like, Homa, Louisiana, was yeah. where Elite started and DJ, you know, is the owner. Bruce is arguing with, like, the godfather of elite wrestling right now. <laughs> like, 
and he has no. But I don't think he knew. He no. Had no clue. If so, like I, I run elite now. <laughs> like I'm the new, I'm the new Vince McMahon. Maybe I'm the Triple H. DJ's the Vince fucking McMahon of elite championship wrestling, and Bruce is trying to argue with him. And it's, it's, you know how sometimes in wrestling you get in those situations where even if you're right, it's just better to shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> like, yeah. That was that was one of those situations, and I'm not saying that Bruce should have shut his fucking mouth or anything. I was not there, but the information that I was relayed via text conversation was that Bruce should have shut the fuck up, and it, it was a bad, it was a bad situation. I guess, I guess bags were just picked up and walked out the fucking door. And when, and when I met, when I saw Bruce, I work Thunder Championship Wrestling. That was a show that you guys ended up not doing due to certain circumstances. And I remember texting you like, "Dude, I'm not going to know anybody at this show. This is going to be really weird." Because uh, I had never worked with like Hangus and all those guys before, but I get down there and Bruce is there. And that, as soon as I walked in, the first thing I remember saying to Bruce, and I don't know if he listened, to, I guess I'm going to find out if he listens to the podcast <laughs> after, after this. But I walked up to him and I was like, "Bro, what what's up, dude? Any hard feelings? Look, no big deal. I'll probably bring you back. I'll probably bring you back up to Pensacola if you want. Because as you know, and you know me personally, I don't really give a shit what anybody's opinion is on anything. If I think something's money, I'm going to do something that I think is money. And and the the gimmick we had with Bruce, I really really liked the the, the direction we were going. But me and Bruce had a talk. We talked for like twenty fucking minutes, and everything yeah. everything was good to go. I think at the end of the day, it, there, it was a very, very, very big misunderstanding. But it <laughs> well, was knowing a... Bruce the way that I do. It's just like I, I as he's relaying the story, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely different. Oh. But but on that, so like I was saying, so you guys are in an area where you could bring up a lot of people. I myself there's not a lot of people in this area that travel around a lot lucha was traveling around a little bit and sometimes Octane or whatever but there's nobody really in this area close by that work the same shows that i do so i've fallen into this habit where i kind of like to travel alone by myself i've i've gotten into like i have certain podcasts and certain music that i like to listen to i don't care if it's 10 hours yeah. away i like to drive alone and then i get a hotel room by myself sleep i don't i, I i've i've and you've been there like i've done a whole share a hotel room there's nothing it's nothing wrong with that but i'm usually not coming from an area with an abundance of people where i do that with so nine times out of ten i got my own hotel room so i can shit wherever the fuck i want and i don't have to worry about like there's no rules like hey nobody's allowed to take a shit here tonight but there have been like i i remember i remember i stayed in a hotel room it was me you and brian one night and i think buddy was still around and the whole running joke was that buddy was gonna like take a shit on somebody while we were sleeping <laughs> <laughs> that was all. That was all Mobile, Alabama. I'm pretty sure during one of oh, the uh, during one of the uh, reunions, I guess. But man, that was. Oh man, hotels are fun. Dude, that, to me, that's 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 the best part about wrestling. It's not even necessarily what happens in the ring. Mm. It's just the camaraderie. You know, just being on the road, spending time with guys that you get along with. You know, you, dude, you're out there making memories, man. You know. Um, I don't know, man. I look back at life, you know, and, and, and a lot of people say, oh, I've got this regret or I've got that regret. I mean, I've got things that I wish I hadn't done or decisions that I wish I hadn't made. But, dude, realistically, like the only the biggest regrets I have are the things that I didn't do or the, the opportunities that I didn't take, you know, or, yeah. or if, you know, you, you find out you can't make a show and, you know, you're like, oh, man, 
I'm missing out on hanging out with the guys or I'm missing out on this or that, you know, that, that's the stuff that kind of sucks, you know, it's it just ultimately at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's funny because you hear, you know, like we were talking earlier about how wrestling used to be, and you, you hear about the brotherhood and, and how guys just look out for each other. And you also hear guys say today that it's not like that anymore. It is, man. It really is. You just have to make it that way. You just have to find a group of guys that you can get along with, you know, and, and, you know, it, it's weird because like literally as you, as you can attest to, um, I mean, we've got friends literally all over the world. I mean, yeah. We've got friends in Japan. We've got friends in Europe. We've got friends in Mexico, you know, all over the United States. And, you know, with you being in the Air Force, you can probably relate to this. Like, you'll probably see somebody, like, on one side of the world, and then you don't see them for, like, another year. But then as soon as you run into them in a locker room somewhere, it's like, hey, you know, it's like you pick up where you left off. Mm-hmm. It's like you didn't miss any time at all. And, and you know the brotherhood still exists. It's still out there. It's just, you have to really work hard to be a part of it. I think the brother, I think the brotherhood exists. If you, you work hard at it, like you said. And at the same time, when you kind of, I don't want to say let your guard down, but when you go to a wrestling event, you can tell the guys that are, and there are guys like this, unfortunately, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you have guys that are really out for themselves, like they're really headstrong on getting somewhere, wherever that somewhere yeah. may be. And maybe that's the wrong direction to have because a lot of wrestling is who you know and who you make friends with. But there's if you go to a show and you're kind of like a little more relaxed and a little more hanging out and you're still professional, but that, in my opinion, for me, because you've been in a lot of locker rooms that I've been in, and I like to think that I am usually generally pretty lighthearted and I like to fuck off a lot, not in an unprofessional way, but a very like joking right. type way. And that's what, that, right. that's what makes it like kind of fun to be there because like, look, I got a fucking day job. I got a wife and kids and I'm sacrificing all this time with them every single weekend. When I travel, I'll be damned if I'm going to be doing all this and act like, Mr. Super Serious and I don't have any friends. You know what I mean? I want to have yeah. a I want to have a good time. I want to be able to remember this as a good time. And I can't do that if I'm always on the edge or I'm always my um, I was going to say not to interrupt you, but it's funny you say that because that hits on two 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 of the best pieces of advice that I ever received in wrestling. Um uh, when I was training with Steve Kern, um there was a guy that was a trainer there a guy by the name of Dennis Knight. Um, uh-huh. He wrestled in WWE. He was one of the Godwins, and then he was Midian, part uh-huh. of the Undertaker's group there for a while. But he was one of the trainers there at, at Steve's. And one thing that he said, he was like, you know, he's like, it's not about being the best wrestler. He's like, you have to go into this locker room every night. He's like, it's, it, it's about getting along with the boys. It's about people actually wanting to spend time with you. Um, you know, and he, he would always use himself as an example. He was like, dude, I was never the best wrestler. I was never having, you know, quote unquote, five-star matches. He's like, but people like to be around me. People like to spend time with me. And, and that's what he, and he, he attributed that to how he always had a job, like how he went from WCW to WWE and how he, you know, for the longest time, you know, he was a part of everything and he made a living doing it. And then that ties in with the second piece of advice, kind of touching on what you just said. A lot of people think, oh, it's who you know, it's who you know. And um, Percy Pringle one time told Mm -hmm. me, he was like, no, it's actually not who you know. It's who's willing to say they know you. Yeah. And when he said that, man, the light bulb went off because it's like, I know a lot of people and there's a lot of people that know me. 
but how many of them are willing to go to bat for you? How many are willing to say that they're, you know, Hey, this is Mike, or this is, you know, Ryan Ocean, he, you know, they're good guys, give them an opportunity, give them a chance. And that comes from being one of the boys that comes from just, like you said, being laid back, being relaxed, being somebody that people enjoy spending time with and being around, you know, like nobody wants, you know, when we go into the locker room, I mean, we're at work, yeah. you know, and you know, nobody wants to, to look at that time. Like, Oh my God, so-and-so's here. I don't want to spend any, you know, I just want to hurry up and get out of here and get away from this asshole. You know, nobody wants to be in an, in an environment like that. You should be able to walk into the locker room, set your bag down and be comfortable, be laid back, be one of the boys, you know? And that just, um, I think a little bit of that too is lost on some of the younger guys today. Like they think that it has to be a competition or they think that they have to be the, the spotlight always has to be on them. And it's like, dude, that's, that's, that's annoying. Well, I'm sure you, you can speak from, and, and this is gonna, I don't want to say give away uh, ever since I did this podcast with, even when Curtis was on it and my buddy Steve was on it. Everybody is well aware that the in terms of Pensacola with Elite that I run a lot of stuff in terms of booking it and, all, and putting all that stuff together. Me, it's kind of like a family affair. But I, you're someone that I have hit up multiple times, probably more than multiple times, for ideas <laughs> on guys to use. And have I ever texted you or called you and said, is so-and-so a good wrestler? Or is it usually yeah. along the lines of, hey, is so-and-so someone that I could hang out with? Like, are they a cool, are they a good person? Yeah. That's usually the yeah. fucking question. And, and that, that sometimes is the worst because you're not the only one to do that. Like, I recently had a promoter hit me up. I'm not going to say who it is. They hit me up and was like, hey, you know, um, I'm looking to book so-and-so. You know, what are your thoughts on so-and-so? And I'm just like, oh. I don't, you know, I don't know. <laughs> don't put me in this situation because, yeah. you know, so-and-so is a great wrestler. You know, if, if you're looking specifically, you know, from the wrestling standpoint, so-and-so is going to give you a good match. Um, but do you want so-and-so in your locker room? You know, uh, that's, that's yeah, a but totally you're, different question. You're someone that I've known for a long time on a very personal level. So I know that, you know, when I talk to you like that, like, you know what I'm expecting here yeah. back. And I'm not going to sit there yeah. and say like, oh, fuck, if you say certain things, because there's been guys that have popped up in conversation that it's been like, OK, well, I'm not going to go that route. And there's been other guys that have been like, all right, dude, I can't wait. I got to get this guy an opportunity. And some of them have panned yeah. out and some of them haven't. That's just the way that it is. But the bottom line is what I'm saying is that. Never have I ever contacted someone or never have I in even myself, I feel like got a booking because I was an exceptional wrestler because you know that I've said a million <laughs> times, I'm not a great pro wrestler. I like to entertain. I'm not going to go out there. I'm not going to be like Johnny Gargango. You know what I mean? That's just not the that's not what I do. It's not what I do. But if you're looking for a fucking six foot four tattooed 260 pound heavyweight to go out there that can either do comedy or serious shit, whatever, do whatever it is you need to do. I'm your guy. And fortunately for me, there's not a lot of guys like that. If I was five foot eight and only weighed 180, I probably would have a lot of competition, but I don't, but that, that, that's not, that's not here nor there. The cruiserweights brother, the cru oh, that's a whole different conversation. I'm, I'm loving that gimmick, man. It's, it's, it's fun. Man. Did you see what I, I, I did you see what I posted uh, yesterday? No, yeah, I, I really I posted it today. I didn't but, see it. But I, I did think to myself, man, this being in quarantine, man, you know, you need to shave, dude. Like you're starting to get like the the, the, <laughs> yeah. the grizzled look. You, you look so much less like a politician. 
I know. I thought that. So, so the video, the vi- the most recent video, uh, I was laying on the floor and I was holding my phone up and I just looked at my phone and and I yeah. did you see that one? Or a, well, I didn't or a watch picture it. But of it. I just saw that you posted. So, yeah, it's so, a picture of it. That's what when, I was thinking. When I did it, I know that I I know I need to shave, but I looked at the camera and I looked at the <laughs> I looked at the phone and I said, you know. I just wanted to see what it feels like to be a cruiserweight. So I figured I'd lay on my back and look at the lights for a little bit. <laughs> and the worst part is, dude, there are people that are getting angry. And that's when I know I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing my fucking job. <laughs> you can't I don't know, man. Dude, I love wrestling, man. Wrestling has literally been a part of my life since I was a little kid and you know, I take it serious, man. I take this very, very serious. Yeah. But you can't take it too serious, Mm-mm. if that makes sense. You, you just got to, you know, I don't know. I know it sounds contradictory to say that. It's like I do take it very serious. But at the same time, like, I, you know, the people that I've met in wrestling that have been the most successful are the most humble people. They're the quietest people. They're the ones that, again, go into the locker room, set their bags down, mind their own business. Mm-hmm. You can talk to them about sports and football and the weather and stuff like that. You know, the guys that are the loudest, that are the most obnoxious, that, you know, constantly putting themselves over. And they're flashing the a pan. Never been, yeah, and they've never been anywhere. They've never done anything. And it's just, um, you can have fun with it, man. Like, you don't, you know, treat it, treat it with respect, but don't take it so serious to the point where you just, you know, nobody wants to be around you or you're just an absolute obnoxious prick. Yeah, nobody, know. nobody likes a dick. Like, you know yeah. I mean? like, nobody wants to be a, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, even whether people want to admit it or not, that we all have a Monday through Friday, 95% of us have a Monday through Friday and we're doing this on the weekend, whether we're trying to make a big break or we consider what we're doing now successful, if that's your goal and which is fine. I've talked about that multiple times on multiple different podcasts. Your vision of success is your vision, whatever you consider successful. I've always hated it when someone, when I, when I say I'm a pro wrestler and someone's like, Oh, are you in a WWE? And I'm like, no, and like, Oh, so you're a semi pro wrestler. And I want to punch him in the fucking mouth. I, that fucking pisses me off. But whatever, you know, whatever you envision as success is, is that's, that's successful to you, but you have to be happy with it and you have to be content with it. And in my opinion, you're all, you know, we're, we're all taking this time apart. There's no room for one people to be taking things too seriously. And two, for for people to let to just not let their guard down at all like if you're doing this every weekend you have to create friendships you have to create that brotherhood with certain people you have to make it like an enjoyable environment to be around or else you're going to turn into that disgruntled hate yourself because you didn't so-called make it type guy and then nobody wants to be around that dude you end up like fucking old and and pissy and nobody nobody likes that nobody fucking likes that no, that's probably going to be me though one day. <laughs> hey, that was you three years ago, brother. <laughs> your, your clock's been ticking on your pissy. I'm just kidding, dude. There have been, dude. There have been times. There have been times where I have t- there. Me and you go through periods. We go through spurts where, and I and I know I've called you out on it. I have sent you messages like, "Bro, is everything all right? Are we good?" 
And there have been times where I have texted Brian and I've been like, bro, is everything cool with Mike? I sent him a text message. He doesn't answer back. He won't answer my phone calls. He's just being a dick. Like, I ask him a question. He's just being a dick. And then and Brian's reply back is like, oh, he's just being Mike right now. <laughs> but, well, I was just about to say, man, you got to ask Brian how many times I've gotten pissed off during a match. And there was one time we were doing a show and, uh, Oh, God. I don't even remember specifically. Basically, the finish got messed up, and I don't even know how, or I don't know who. It could have been my fault. Who knows? But I remember just, like, standing up in the middle of the finish, looking at everybody and going, everybody just needs to get their shit together. <laughs> I get out of the ring, and I walk to the back, and I just, I was like, I'm done. That's it. I'm done. And I guess evidently Brian, I just left Brian to pick up the pieces, like, <laughs> He had to pick the guy up and hit him with something. <laughs> Didn't you? You match. told me. You told me wasn't there a match with, within the last few months or whatever? Didn't Didn't you go out in like jeans and boots and just like bust ass in front of everybody? Like oh just... yeah, so that was at Thunder. So <sighs> at Thunder, we've we've been feuding with um, Michael Tarver and Cahagas. Yeah. And um, we've Cahagas, who I, I always pronounce wrong. I say Cahagas, I guess it's not right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't understand. It's, it's not that hard. You're not the, the funny thing is, you're not the only person that does that. I know a couple of the people that pronounce it Cahagas, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, so we're feuding with them. We're feuding. We've been feuding with them for like I don't know four or five months now. But we've been doing this gimmick where like we. You know, we're in street clothes, jeans, and boots, and uh, we've been coming in through the crowd, jumping over the guardrail, hitting the ring, laying them out. And um, so Carver's got his back to me, and so I jump. And now keep in mind, you've seen Thunder. They run all these high school gymnasiums, so they've got like the slippery uh, – uh, like basketball court, like a yeah. gymnasium. Yeah, yeah. The floor. The polished floor. And, um, yeah, so I jump over the guardrail, and I've got these cowboy boots on. And I take off running, which, first of all, running in a pair of cowboy boots is not the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> no. I don't know if you've ever done it. Mm-hmm. And so I come running up behind Tarver, and I'm just about to just blast him. And as I, like, jump to to, to nail him from behind, dude, both feet come out from underneath me. <laughs> <laughs> I land flat. I, I, I just sit down like I, I land flat on my ass and I'm looking up at, I'm looking up at Tarver and he's got his back turned towards me and he knows I'm coming but he doesn't know when and he doesn't know that I just sat down busted my ass <laughs> so, and I'm thinking like you know and they do really well man they've got like what yeah i felt i felt so bad i got booked there and they were ready to hand me a handful of bookings i think and it it lined up with another one but they booked it there was a good enough at the one shows that i wanted to go to more and and they're still they're one of the places that when this is all said and done i'll be healed up there i want to get back there i want to it's it's a good time so but but so you're sitting you're you're sitting on your ass and former former wwe superstar michael tarver is waiting for you to hit him So I stand up and I club him, and he goes down, and I get in the ring. And as soon as I slide in the ring, both Brian and Cahagas are laughing their asses <laughs> off. And you know, Cahagas, I just go, yeah. I just hear him go, oh, fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and like at this point, like, dude, I just want to like, I just want to leave, man. I just want to get out of this building and just be done with. But I'm just, you know, it's one of those moments where you just feel like. 
500 people are laughing at you and yeah. you're just like, oh, God. Did anybody <laughs> laugh in the crowd? Like, was it that? I mean, obviously it was noticeable, but like, were, were the fans yeah. like, oh, you busted your ass? Was it like bad? I mean, I, no, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm sure there were, but I don't, you know, you just quickly get up, you know, how like in wrestling, you know, something could be like two seconds, but it feels like a, it's eternity. A and a half, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, I just jumped up as quick as I could and kept going. And like I said, all I remember is getting in the ring and just both Brian and Cahagas are just laughing as hard as they can. <laughs> I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah. <sighs> well, sometimes that shit happens. I can't think of. I remember. I remember. I I took a clothesline from Ox Haney once in Louisiana, and I straight hit my head on the mat. Like knocked me out. Like knocked me out. Not the the clothesline. Oh. The clothesline didn't knock me out. It was when I landed, knocked me out. And I got up. Yeah. I was. I was. This is when I was tagging with John at the time, and I was like, I couldn't remember what I was supposed to do next. So you know, I tell Ox to shoot me off, and Ox shoots me off, and we both duck. And, and 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 I literally, I literally, I remember standing up, and Saxon's on the apron, and you can imagine, like you know what Saxon looks like, either. Saxon, Saxon, look at me, and like I think I'm in trouble. Like I don't know what's going on, and I look at him, and I just, I walk right over to him in the middle of the match. I just walk over and tag myself out, and I'm like, I don't know where the fuck I am right now, and it was weird because you know I'm. I'm getting my ass ripped and that's when this is probably when i should have known i was in trouble you guys were there that night because i remember drinking on the way home but john goes from like what the fuck look on his face to when i tag him out and tell him that he just gets completely serious and he's like you know what stand here on the apron until you know where we're at i'll take care of the rest kid he just gets in the ring on autopilot and then when it's time for the finish he's like you know where you're at i was like yeah i'm good to go now but i needed you know i needed that five or ten minutes to kind of collect myself <laughs> like but but you talk about an eternity you know i'm sitting there thinking like oh everybody's gonna talk about this or that when when ox haney and ryan ocean both ducked the invisible clothesline from each other nobody brought that shit up it was still a good match you don't forget <laughs> like there's so much shit that happens that we that we as performers will think we'll let it weigh heavy on ourselves and not even yeah. take into consideration that nobody else even gives a fuck or remembers it but yeah that's true, man. There, there's been things that, like, you know, like I've tripped or I've, you know, I've done stuff in the ring, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I did that. And I get to the back, I'm like, God, man, I can't. And then Brian, I'll be like, what? Are you, I didn't even see it. What are you talking about? And I'm like, all right, well, never mind, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, just like live and let live, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> but no, you guys. So you guys are. You guys are. We're we're getting to the point where we need to wrap this up. I usually try to make these an hour. Rolling about an hour twenty right now. But I really like you and I like talking to you. So, but we. Uh, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we're. Uh, we are. You know, we're we're getting close to that near point where we need where we need to wrap it up. But uh, what 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 do you guys? You guys been tagging successfully for a while now. You know, it's been roughly five years or so. You guys have had your ups and your downs, but certainly a lot more ups than downs. Uh, you guys were with MLW for a while, not there now. Doing kind of your own thing. What do you think? is laid out now obviously we're we're all laid out we haven't even talked about this which is a huge shocker and and it's awesome because i have a feeling that my next couple podcasts we are going to cover this the whole covid19 coronavirus deal so obviously <laughs> you guys like everyone else and i'll go on a side note bro i hurt my you know i hurt my tricep tore my tricep got a few everyone's on the side it's like i'm not even missing any time right now <laughs> Because everybody else right. can't wrestle right. with me. It's kind of for for me, this is an unfortunate blessing in disguise. But I digress. Uh 
with with you guys right now, you know, obviously we're all on the shelf right now together. Uh, when this comes back, when when wrestling comes back, and, and my prediction is going to be July August. I think some people think it'll be sooner, but my prediction is July August. Where what what are your guys's plans, or where do you see you guys going in the near future? I don't want to talk about you know five ten years from now, but what are when you guys get together and you talk and you contemplate ideas and you you lay out you know groundwork for what you plan on in the immediate future? What are you guys looking at to do during that time? Um, you know, I don't I don't want to sound. Um braggadocious or, or, you know, like I'm talking out of my ass or anything like that. Um, but we have actually had, um, I, I guess I can put this out there. Um, we've actually had some communications with WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, now when I say some communications, um, your guess is as good as mine, you know, like we, we, before we signed, so, so a lot of people aren't, aren't familiar with this story or maybe some people do if they know us personally if we we shared it with them um two years ago you know again you know the the tag team i think was very successful you know at that point we'd been teaming for like two maybe three years Mm -hmm. and um we were starting to make a little buzz i thought you know starting to get around at least the independent circuit you know especially here in the south and you know hooking up with colonel parker definitely gave us a, a you know stamp of credibility yeah um we went you know, as a lot of guys do, um, we went, so this was on a Wednesday as NXT does their TV, um, mm-hmm. usually on Wednesdays, I believe, over in Orlando. And this is roughly about two years ago. Um, we went as extras, showed up, um, hung out backstage, you know, hoping that they'd take a look at us, talk to us, you know, that sort of thing. Um, we definitely had a lot of supporters there. Um, guys that were kind of like, Hey, you know, we think this could be a, a good place for you guys. Let's get you in the door and get you looked at, you know, kind of go from there. Um, so we showed up, nothing, nothing really came out of it. Just kind of hung out, didn't really do anything that day, but you know, as we were leaving, you know, as, as I'm sure everybody gets the speech, Hey, sorry, we couldn't get you anything this time, but yeah. you know, next time we will blah, blah, blah. But you know, at the same time, you're kind of like, okay, cool. You know, they know who we are. We're on the radar. Let's, let's hope that something comes out of this. Yeah literally the very next day. So this is on a Wednesday. So MLW at the time, they were doing their TV on Thursdays in Orlando. So the very next day we show up for TV and MLW and they kind of pull us off to the side and they're like, Hey, look, you know, we need to, we need to get you guys um, locked into something. Cause you know, there's, there's big things happening, you know, and, and, you know, when you're in wrestling and, and, you know, people say, Oh, there's big things. We got TV, you know, you, as I'm sure you're well aware, you get a lot of, empty promises you know take it take it with a take it with a grain of salt type feeling yeah exactly but so you know here we are wednesday at nxt thursday we're back at mlw and mlw songs hey we're gonna have to lock you guys into a deal we understand you went and did wwe yesterday but you need to make a choice you know if if you're going to continue to be here and you guys are going to continue to be a part of our product we can't have you going over there and doing that yeah and so we sat and we talked and we thought, you know what, let's go ahead and jump on the MLW ship because, you know, it's a young, fresh product. You know, they're giving us an opportunity, um, you know, if they get TV and we get on their TV, um, it could be good for us. And if they don't, well, then, you know, what have we really lost at the end of the day? You know, we're, we're kind of right back where we are now. So, so yeah. we made the decision to sign with MLW and, um, for two years, man, it, it was great. You know, I have no complaints as far as 
um, the exposure and the opportunities that they gave us. I mean, obviously, you know, when you're on TV and you're getting exposure like that, you know, a lot of the independent promoters are going to take notice. And, you know, we were able to pick up our bookings and, you know, we, we got our faces out there. And um, I mean, and again, being with Colonel Parker the whole time, again, you know, I mean, you had Stone Cold talking about us on his podcast. You had Tony Schiavone um, talking about us on his podcast, you know, things like that, you know, stuff really, like that's cool, really helps you boost, know? It really helps boost you guys up too. It, it Yeah, it does, you know, because then people start, well, you know, who are these dirty blondes? You know, they got Colonel Parker with them. Let's take a look. And, you know, um, so to kind of get back to answering your question, um, as of March of this year, we are both officially done with MLW. And, um, again, you know, as soon as we, is in the double-edged sword of it is as soon as we were free to begin talking to different promotions, obviously all this stuff happened. Um, you know, we did talk to WWE, um, and then literally within days, you know, everything goes on a lockdown or we're not allowed to, you know, leave the house or anything like that, which is weird because I see that they're still doing their TV over in Orlando and which I guess that's about to stop. Um, but yeah, the, the world just got crazy. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, you know, I, I don't want to be one of these guys who's like, Oh, well, you know, WWE, blah, blah, blah. But one thing that I've noticed over the last couple of years, kind of going back to the kind of wrapping everything up, like what you and I talked about earlier is I was the guy, in my opinion, that just, you get to a point in your life when you realize, okay, this probably isn't going to happen. You know, this probably isn't going to be a reality for me. And then you almost kind of let go of it, you know, like you, you want it so bad, you want it so bad. And then finally you get to that, that, that place in your life where you kind of come to come to terms with it. Like, okay, you know what? It's probably not going to happen. And I'm okay with that. You know, if, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Wasn't meant to be life goes on. I've still had a, a good time and a good ride. And it was almost like when you approach it with that attitude, things got easier doors started to open opportunities started to present themselves. I mean, like literally, literally with the tag team, it was like, let's throw this together and see what happens. And then it goes from like us being a tag team to us getting opportunities to wrestle, you know, the headbangers and the rock and roll express and, you know, Rikishi and just, you know, you know, we, we start showing up to different shows and we're, you know, getting put in prominent spots and, you know, our paydays are starting to reflect. And, you know, again, you know, you think, well, six months ago, I never thought this was going to happen. It's like, we kept hitting different plateaus. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you, you kind of say, okay, well, this is probably as good as it's going to get. And then it gets better. And then, you know, six months down the road, you go, oh, this is probably as good as it's going to get. And then it gets better, you know. And I think that's a testament to, you know, um, I heard Matt Hardy say one time, he's like, if you just keep working and you just work and work and work hard enough, eventually they're going to have to give you an opportunity. They're going to have to take notice of what you're doing. And that's another one of those little little you know, quotes that always stuck with me because so many guys, they say, well, you know, I'm going to give this a year or two. And if I don't get signed or if I don't make it, then I'm just going to quit. And my attitude is like, good, quit, you know, get out of the way. Yeah, make room for so someone that people else. That I, yeah. You know, and again, you know, with, with, with me being a little bit older and I, and, and I understand Brian's younger, you know, um, there's definitely a, 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 an age difference between the two of us. Um, I know the day is going to come when he's going to want to do his own thing and he's going to, you know, pursue a singles career and dude, he's not going to have a bigger fan or a bigger supporter than me when that day comes, but he decides that that's what he wants. But at the same time, I also truly believe, you know, and, and hugely, hugely thanks to 
the opportunity that MLW gave us and, you know, the opportunity of having Colonel Parker, who actually is still with us, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we still do, you know, a lot of shows, you know, up in Virginia and some stuff in Texas. I mean, you know, it's actually become like, I guess you could say a three-man group as of right now where promoters literally are are bringing all three of us in together, which is, is really cool. Yeah. Um, so I just don't see that slowing down anytime soon. Now, whether or not, you know, again, WWE sees value in that. Um, we've talked a little bit um, with some, we've got some feelers with impact wrestling. So hopefully maybe something could come out of that. Who knows? Um, but again, it, it's like <clears throat> we get the freedom to move to that next level and literally the whole world shuts down. So it's kind of like we're in the same boat as everybody else. It's like we have these opportunities in the palm of our hand. You know, we just have to wait for everything to play out so that, you know, basically we can all get back to work and, you know, see what happens, really. Um, So I don't know, man. Who knows, you know? But then we could also go the opposite route where everybody starts turning into zombies and wrestling isn't even on the radar. (laughs) And and we're ran ran by lizards and (laughs) conspiracy. No, we we have we have those we have those conspiracy theories. We have we have those talks via text off the podcast. Oh, dude! When this quarantine first started, I told Uh, you I was like, dude, I gotta get off YouTube and watch all these conspiracy theory videos. You yeah, know, I'm the same. Yeah, well, we talk crazy. about you. You send me stuff to watch, and then I watch, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and then I'm texting you, and you you've obviously went to sleep, but I'm like, "Mike's not replying back. What if they got him?" <laughs> but I I think you're I think you're right when you talk about you when you when you for me at least I feel the same way that I go through periods, and I know I've talked to you about this before too, where. You kind of like you're reaching out, you're reaching out, you're trying to get this, you're trying to get that, and things don't seem like they're lining up right. But I feel like when you do that, when people want you, they're going to contact you, and you can always put yeah. out a you can always put out a feeler, and the feeler is what puts you in their mind, and then when they're ready for you, they contact you. But if you're contacting people and you're really, really, really headstrong, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, I feel like you take it more negative when they're not ready for you at the moment, versus when they yeah. start contacting you back because maybe now they're ready for you, and you're kind of like laying. Low a little bit in terms of like not trying so hard and I don't want to say nobody needs to try hard but you've already done that like you've tried hard you've reached out now you're kind of waiting you 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 have to get to a point that or you have to realize that when you want to get a lot of bookings it's not going to happen right away but you do need to get your <laughs> you you do need to get yourself out there and then you you have to know that there's going to be a little time frame a little window where the people that really want you are going to make time for you but it's also going to take that word it's going to take time in order to free some space up to get you and then they all start to flow in and you're like holy yeah. shit i'm get-. like yeah, i and then, and then- me? And then you have to turn down bookings, yeah. Yeah, or, or like you, I don't know if you remember, like when I got back from Korea, one of the things I wondered when I was in Korea, I hit you up and I was like, bro, do you think this is going to help me out with the States? And in my opinion, I didn't think that it would because I, I'm really big on this. Like you got guys that are like, dude, so-and-so wrestled in Japan. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. No one in America watches it. Like it's not going to draw more on an indie show in the States. And in reality, it it really doesn't. Like a lot of guys want to go wrestle in Japan and they'll wrestle anywhere in Japan they can just to say they wrestled there. Well, guess what? Surprise, surprise. It does absolutely nothing to up your stock in terms of pay because it doesn't draw any more people in the United States. That's just the way that it is. And I believe that that's more than just my opinion. That's a fact. But when it when it comes right. when it comes to bookings, 
I hit you up and I was like, dude, I don't think this is going to help me out, blah, blah. But then there is the advantages. Like Sean always told me when I train, six foot four white dude with tattoos that looks like I could fill any role and things slowly start to trickle in. And then I slowly started getting stuff and you're one of the guys I would hit up like, bro, who should I talk to about this? Who should I talk about that? Or I would hit you up and say, dude, stuff's starting to flow in. Stuff's starting to flow in. And then it sucks. Like with you guys, with the whole COVID-19 deal and the shit that you hopefully were trying to get lined up. And then like, as you know, on me from a more personal level, like I finally got like, I we talked about like the WrestleMania stuff and all this. I finally started getting shit lined up for that week. And we were talking about hanging out down there and all this shit I had going yeah. on. And then boom, I ripped my tricep off the elbow. Everything, <laughs> everything is on old and i'm like fuck dude but you re i reinvented myself and i came out with something to make myself still relevant you always have to be doing something to at least keep yourself out there you don't want to beg for yeah. bookings or be too headstrong and you have to accept reality but you you guys are yeah. doing that you guys are accepting the reality of where you're at as a tag team i think in a good way i know for a fact i'm gonna have brian on the podcast at some point um it's unfortunate we couldn't do you guys both at the same time there's some logistical issues with that plus obviously everybody's yeah, kind of your, orders. your technology sucks <laughs> that that and i am following the president's rules of stay at home sir where we, oh, where, well, yeah. we did not all go out we didn't want to, want to get you guys sick but no i had a really good time i enjoyed the podcast hopefully you know a lot of people are going to listen to it and have some cool experiences that they take from it. maybe compare it and if you're if you're listening to the podcast and you want to be a wrestler one day maybe you could take some of these experiences that we talked about and and it could give you a better reality of what to expect and maybe you want to get into or not get into but real quick mike before we go is there anything that you want to plug before we get off here whether it's social media uh a show that's definitely not going on right now because there's nothing booked. Is there, is there, is there anything that you want to plug to, to, to before we cut off of here? Man, it, it, yeah, I mean, probably the biggest thing we have is, is our Twitter account, which, mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, at dirty blondes tag T A G Cause apparently there's a, a female rock band called the dirty blondes and we get tagged <laughs> on a lot of their stuff. <laughs> so Damn. that's not us. Um, I mean, that's probably the best way to, to follow and keep up with what we're doing. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, you know, just, uh, I know Brian's got like an Instagram. Um, I used to have an Instagram and I got logged out. And I've not been able to log back in since. So You're getting no your password. <laughs> what, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. So <laughs> those are probably the two biggest ways to keep up with what we're doing. And of course, we both have Facebook, but those are more personable. But at the same time, like I pretty much just promote wrestling on my facebook because yeah. i learned a long time ago you can't do you start talking about politics and religion and everything else on your personal facebook and you know then people take offense to it and that that cuts into your wrestling and, and people will hold a grudge and not book you because you have a different political view yeah, so i just you know i just i just made a decision one day i was like you know i'm going to try my best just to keep my personal facebook page nothing Nothing but hyping up the tag team. Here, 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 you say that, and here I am trying to be a fucking politician. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gimmick, brother. It's a gimmick. We'll, we'll see how this goes. But no, everybody, I want to thank everybody that tuned in. If you're listening to the podcast, I really do appreciate it. Uh, a lot of work does go into this each and every week. I don't have sponsors. I don't make money on this bullshit. If anything, I spend money trying to get people to listen to it. This is truly a grassroots movement. So if you're listening and you enjoyed it, please subscribe. 
or make sure you follow one of my social media pages because I will post all about new episodes every single week when they come out. So all you got to do is click a direct link and listen. And of course, you can subscribe, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, or any other podcast platform that you have that you're able to find this on. But those are the three top most popular ones, or RyanOcean.com, where you can listen to directly every single podcast, past, present, current, anything like that. I appreciate everyone for listening. I appreciate Michael Patrick for coming on this week. I I appreciate, I feel like, the television that I can hear in the background of Michael Patrick's phone right now. And, 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 and everything oh, else. Man. I like every. I'm, I'm super glad that everybody came on, Mike. We talked about trying to get you on here for a while. I'm glad that we were able to get you on here. Um, and hopefully we can do it again sometime with you and Brian. I, I have a feeling that that's one of those ones that are going to be better off if all three of us are sitting around a round table together. I, I feel like that would be yeah. a better a better pocket. Which, for the record, we've tried to do before, but we were way too fucked up. And it did not make it past five minutes. So... <laughs> We, we 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 have attempted it, but to no avail in the past. But that is it for this week on the Ryan Ocean Podcast. Again, everyone, I want to thank you guys for listening in. And hopefully you'll listen next week here on the Ryan Ocean Podcast. I want the film! I want the camera! Hold on one, one now!